This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A comfortable but nervy 90 at the Etihad sees City dethrone Big Sam on Coronation Weekend. Up north, there was no hello Mr Magpie as a sheepish tune failed to do City a favour, keeping the title race well and truly alive. It's Monday the 8th of May, I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster. The best place to grab discounted ales at refreshingly low prices. Grab all of your favourite household names with a wide selection of beers and ales available to choose from and listeners to this show can grab an exclusive fiver off all orders with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05 for an extra £5 off all Beer Monster orders. UK only, terms and conditions apply, drink responsibly. Ollie, welcome back. New week, another another win. Uh, just about. We'll get into it soon, as always. Um, it seems to be you and I quite often at this point on a Monday morning. But moment of the weekend for you? Um, well, it's probably getting a matching tattoo with my best friend. First time we've seen each other in years, and we kind of agreed this weekend we'd spend it together, get tattoos, and then City won the day we got it as well to just top everything off. So can't complain. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You love to see it. Um, yeah, it, obviously, for those who don't know, UK, uh, in the UK, it's been a bank holiday this weekend. So I had, a, I had a lovely walk with my girlfriend. We went over to Derbyshire and we did 10 kilometres. Bloody 10. I'm, I, my legs are absolutely goosed at this point. Let me just put it that way. But like you say there, City did get another win, which is fantastic. And, and we'll get into it now because it was a strange performance, wasn't it? I can imagine had things gone differently this conversation would have been starting a little bit different. But the way the game ended, that last sort of five, ten minutes were 
less than ideal from a City point of view and, and possibly a wake-up call that has been needed in the last few games because it hasn't been up to sort of the, the best standards you'd expect? Yeah, I mean, if you, if we go back to the Arsenal game, you know that was we had that momentous night at the Etihad where it just everything went perfectly, and ever since it's been a bit ropey. I thought City were really good for probably eighty five minutes. You know, the first fifteen minutes missed a few early chances, mm. people settling into the game. That's normal, but from there they just you know Al, Alvarez missing that early chance that went over the bar, um, and then Gundogan popped a few minutes later with his first goal. Two identical goals, near enough. One into the bottom left, one into the bottom right. Um, and then, yeah, if it wasn't for that last five minutes, I think we'd all be a bit kind of much happier about this game instead of worrying about signs that shown. But, you know, that's what happens. You know, it's, it's very typical to eat and miss a pen and then immediately concede and give uh, Sam Allardyce a few kind of slaps on the back almost, putting, keeping the ball in the corner for 10 minutes. But, you know, take, take the wins where you can get them. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, the the build up to the game was sort of clouded by those comments from from Sam Allardyce speaking about how he was on a par with Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, and there's nothing they those guys didn't have. I would have, I would have hated to see what the Leeds performance was like had Allardyce not been on the same level as Guardiola and and Klopp and Co. Because I think it was a pretty poor performance from their point of view, and and one of the worst teams I'd say at the Etihad Stadium this season. Uh, the fellow who sits next to us, a lad called Jackie. He was saying he just he didn't know what the what the point of leads were. You know what were they trying to do? There was nothing really that they were doing that was coming off. They just sort of got the ball and, and sort of fell in on themselves trying to find the ball to, to Patrick Bamford, who was stood there. I felt pretty sorry for him in the end, just getting manhandled by Akanji and uh, and Laporte and Ake at the back. Um, but you know those Ilkay Gundogan goals. Well, in part two, we'll do the penalty business because there's been. A lot of discourse, put it this way, you know, which side of the fence he won? Was it a right decision? Blah, blah, blah. But let, let's focus on the positives from Ilkay Gundogan because I saw a tweet, a quite a funny tweet, actually, someone saying that Ilkay Gundogan walks into every other team in the Premier League automatically and, you know, he's far too good to be a backup at Manchester City despite having played 29 of the 34 Premier League matches for City this season, despite having started 25 of them. There seems to be this weird sort of... Uh, feeling and narrative around Ilkay Gundogan that he's a bit part player but he's anything but he's he's one of City's most important players this season he's been one of City's most important players in previous title winning campaigns you know 2020 2021 he's just one that springs to mind he obviously scored the goals against Aston Villa last season this man should City be successful and win multiple trophies one of the big ones in terms of the Champions League or the Premier League this season this man if he, and it looks like he will be leaving at the end of the season, goes down as a Manchester City legend, doesn't he? And I know you've in the past suggested that perhaps he could be in line for a statue. He's an absolute class above and it would be a real big shame to see him leave. 100%. I, I mean, not only is he captain now, but he's been our most important player for a long time, in my opinion, because he's the guy that keeps that midfield ticking over. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is a genius at what he does, mm. but Ilkay Gundogan's the guy that he's, you know, mopping up at the back. And it kind of, it feels kind of normal and good that he's the guy coming in for Rodri, you know, who's another genius in midfield. How just seamless he can make that transition. I mean, long live Il- Ilkay Gundogan. His legacy here is just phenomenal. And for a player who was slated so often in his first, you know, two and a half seasons here, and then coming in for Fernandinho in eighteen nineteen, popping up yesterday with important goals, it's what the guy does. I can't think of a goal he scored that hasn't been, you know, crucial to City, especially in second half of seasons. He just pops up when we need him, and 
he sh- he's shown his class yesterday. Most successful passes of any player this season of the Premier League in a game. He's an absolute machine, and it's going to be horrible if he does leave. Which, as we say, it's looking like he's going to. But uh, if any performance can change the minds of the decision makers at City to just give him whatever he wants, I think one like uh, Saturdays can definitely do that. Yeah, you mentioned there he got 171 completed passes. He attempted 183. That's a pass completion rate of 93%. Uh, finished the game with a, an expected goals of 0.98. Obviously picked up two pretty pretty incredible finishes, it has to be said. You know, a, a typical Ilkay Gundogan sort of edge of the box sweep into either corner. But in, in terms of the rest of, of the team then, it was... It, it it was a game that City had to win, obviously, given the context of the season. And and I think at this point of the campaign, there were no matches that City really, I can't, maybe some in the Champions League, but again, if they go through, it doesn't matter. All it is at this point of the season is City making sure that they finish at the full-time whistle, either with more goals than the opponent, or if it's an aggregate scoreline, with more goals than the, the opponent on aggregate. The performance, I felt, was sort of indicative of this sort of the last week or two after the Arsenal game. It's felt like there's been a little bit of a lull and a little bit of a flatness about the way City operated. And, you know, one one of the main culprits against Leeds, Erling Haaland, who was obviously um, auditioning or or twerking for his old Yorkshire pals with the performance. He he, he put a fail compilation that I think Dixie Dean would have been proud of, didn't he? Yeah, it wasn't Haaland's best day in front of goal, but, you know, he, he, he kind of proves that he is human. You know, it proves that he is this, you know, he does make mistakes at times. Mm. But you look at how he played overall, I didn't think it was too bad. It was just he was lacking that final touch. But he worked so hard. His his work off the ball is just becoming better and better and better with, you know, every game, it seems. You know, with something like eight league assists this year, he was a menace. I mean, he's a menace for any defender. But, you know, you go you go back to, you know, December, for example, where it, things just weren't clicking for City as much and his goal rate slowed down. You know, it's it's moments like that where even if he's having a bad day in front of goal, all his other work kind of helps him out. Um, and that's the thing now. City have a team where if he doesn't score, someone else will. You know, and it, was, and it, and it wasn't like that last season where it was constantly looking mm. to find that moment, that one moment that wins us games. Um, because we were nowhere near as clinical. While this year it seems, you know, Haaland's almost raised the bar. Even when he's having a uh, he, having an off day, everyone else knows it can't just be him. You know, we're not a one man team, as you know, some people, some people who are aren't City fans will say about him this season. But you, what we are is get uh, we're just getting better and better with every game in terms of how players are stepping up, and I think we're we've peaked at the right time. You know, all season long, we've been waiting for City to go on this run. And what is it, 10 Premier League wins in a row now? That's unimaginable from, you know, where we were a few months ago. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and it's testament to the sort of the resilience. I think it's 20 matches unbeaten in all competitions. Forest was the last game in the Premier League that City didn't win. Obviously, there's been a, a, a draw against Bayern Munich in there but obviously City went through in that game so it felt like a win but in terms of you know the the Premier League it's been this imperious run pretty much since the Tottenham defeat I think that was City's last uh, last loss in the Premier League going back all the way until I want to say the 5th of February something like that it was the start of February so you know looking at three months now of of sheer dominance and, and some really good performances in there 
unlike the Leeds one, which was obviously a struggle and it was a bit of a tough watch. But one man I want to pick up on, or one kid really I want to pick up on before we move on, is Rico Lewis. He came back into the team. He's not played for quite a few weeks, it has to be said. You know, he, he has sat out quite a number of games after we thought he was the sort of the season saviour, the messiah, the one good thing that could come out of this campaign. Um, going back to that sort of the, the games against Tottenham in February and January. But he was he was good against Leeds you know it wasn't a stellar performance it wasn't a eye-grabbing performance but he he finished the game with some pretty respectable stats it had to be said obviously deputizing for John Stones in that half-back role so to speak 86 accurate passes um he also won 100% of his tackles albeit the only attempted one uh there were six recoveries in there one block as well I, I seem to remember quite an important one maybe on a, on a shot in the first half but he was he was composed and, and fair play to the kid he's coming in sort of no Rodri, no John Stones, a heavily rotated team. And he looks he looked sharp, he looked good, and, and that's what you can ask for from your squad players. Exactly. I mean, Rico Lewis has been an absolute star this season. He came into the team a really difficult part of it. You know, his f- first goal in the champion, you know, Champions League start, first goal for the club in the Champions League, a match-winning goal as well. Re- he's, he's just knows when to step up, and he plays for a, someone who's so much more mature and had much more time in the game. When I I remember, you know, when he was when he was getting into the team a lot more, you know, against Tottenham in those games, you know, he played against Leeds in December. You know, Pep trusts him in these moments, and I think he's he just shown again on the weekend just why he's trusted. You know, he doesn't need to be a ten out of ten. He, you know, not everyone can be like John Stones, who's kind of the ultimate in that role that you know Pep's created for him. But what he can do is just be consistent. And for, for an 18-year-old, re, only recently 18-year-old, you know, to have sparks flying whenever you're on the pitch and just be there constantly and just be dependable, that's the most important thing in City squad. You know, we've, we can criticize, I've certainly criticised a lot of our squad players this season. Um, and me and you have had countless debates on the merits of others. But, you know, Cal, Cal <laughs> Rico Lewis is the kind of the, the, the example of them all. And he, you know, he can be an example to the older guys just as much as he, he looks up to them because he's shown, you know, what it's like to just be there when you need him. And the more he can keep doing that, especially with the troubles we've had at the back at times this season, it just, it, he, he's just fantastic. I could talk about him all day because he's just one of those players that you just, you just love to see it happen. Especially, you know, especially when it's a local kid, he's been at City all his life. It just means that a little bit more to the fans as well. He he is he is an absolute class act, and and he's well beyond his years. It has to be said. He, the way he handles himself on the pitch, I think, is is clear to see. Um, I alluded to it in the introduction, and, and we'll like I said, we'll refocus attention to Leeds, in particular the the penalty debacle in the second half of the show. But I alluded to it in the introduction, the the Newcastle Arsenal result, which for me it it left a it left a sour note on a really good weekend. I have to say because I, I for what you know stupidly I went into the game thinking. I fancy Arsenal to drop points here. I think, you know, I wasn't expecting a, a Newcastle win. I think the the pressure on top four has, has had subsidised. It's well and truly back on them now, given the results. But I felt like there was definitely an opportunity for Arsenal there to go and have a really shaky afternoon. And, and well, the, to be honest, they did. They were, they were really, really shit performance-wise. But they obviously got away with a 2-0 win. It flips the momentum and it flips the, the 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 pressure back on City. I feel like because that result almost certainly 
bar a, a sort of an absolute cock up against Brighton for Arsenal, almost certainly means that the title's going to go to the final week of the season where City have that that hellish looking uh, double header against Brighton and Brentford. Um, it sort of it eliminates a little bit of City's wriggle room. They've obviously got a game in hand, but it is at the Amex against Brighton, which is our our not so local neighbours found out uh, last week. But what 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 are your feelings after this game? Because I, I sort of came out of the stadium and, and City had won and it was a massive one and three points are all that matters. But I was feeling like the last three matches, I think there's been something a little bit untoward. I don't know if the momentum sort of starting to run out a little bit and, and then looking ahead to the schedule, obviously we've got Real Madrid to come up. We've got a trip to Everton, Goodison Park, they're fighting for their lives. They're going to need points. We've got a, a Real Madrid at home as well. You know, the schedule's looking really quite grueling for City and I'm, and, and that, that Newcastle result sort of made me go, oh God, it's going to be a pretty menacing couple of weeks, it has to be said. I don't know what your thoughts are before we sort of, we wrap for part one. Yeah, the, the schedule at the moment is, it's just so tough. It's it's almost mean to put, you know, Brighton and Brentford, it's the last, it's the last week of the season. That is horrible. The, you know, the two teams, uh, of, all the, of all the clubs in the Premier League, Brighton are the one team you don't want to be facing. You know, when, you, when you're really desperate for point, when you're really desperate for a win, because they're just so good. I mean, Pep's even called them the most fascinating team to watch uh, in world football this season, which is high, high praise. And But it's well-deserved as well. They've been fantastic. And yeah, you're right, that Arsenal game, it has put a little bit of a damper on what was a great result for City, because it's just, the, you can't relax as much. And in a week where, where, you know, going to the Bernabeu and, you know, Everton at the weekend... It's just, there's no root, yeah, as you said, no wiggle root. There's no kind of space to breathe almost. You just, we're just stuck in this cycle of horrific game after horrific game. And it's going to be great if you win. You know, if, 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 if we go, you know, the Bernabeu tomorrow and win, that's going to be an amazing feeling. Um, I remember when we won there in 2019, you know, and that was in the round of 16. It was just, it felt like a momentous moment for the club, you know, and what, you know, because we've struggled in Europe away so many times. And I think, uh, a positive result there is really going to kickstart the season again for us. And, you know, it's almost like that Arsenal result is a kick up the backside for some of them. You know, it's, we can't afford to be ropey because it, eventually it'll cost us, especially in, you know, places like Goodison Park. It, it can, it's tough. But, you know, if City are experts at this, you know, they've handled the pressure of Champions League semi-finals before, albeit without a crowd. But, you know, it's it's no different for the players in terms of what they've got to do over the next few weeks. Um, and, you know, you can maybe you can argue that it's given Arsenal, you know, a kind of glimmer of hope. But I think anyone would be an idiot, even if the gap was four points, to write them off because they have been fantastic this season. They've had a, they've had a rough few weeks, you know, obviously ending in a defeat at the Etihad. But um, they sh- they've shown their class today. Uh, on the weekend they sh- absolutely did so you know it's going to be tough for both sides but um city's experience is this is where it's, these are the weeks where it counts absolutely yeah and, and you're just hoping city can sort of tap into that and they can they can sort of the, the I, I feel like if city's last three games had been against better opposition obviously Fulham was sort of just there for the taking really and, and against a better team more a team with something more to play for they certainly would have gone at City more and and West Ham eventually broke them down and they sort of the second half was much better than the first but again in the first half you know they, they had chances and and against Leeds you know one of the worst performances at the Etihad this season I think if those games were a little bit tougher 
our conversations could be very much, uh, they could be very different right now. Thankfully, they're not. Nine points from nine this week was fantastic, um, which, as we said, the, the elephant in the room. We'll talk about it after this quick break. The treble is in sight for City and you can gear up for what could be a big few weeks of our wooing and man blueing by heading over to Beer Monster. Beer Monster is the place to find all of your favourite household names at refreshingly low prices with the likes of Brewdog, Goose Island and Budvar available at the click of a finger. If you're feeling fruity, you could even try out one of the famous Beer Monster kegs, which allows you, the listener, to pour the perfect pint from the comfort of your own home. All purchases over £35 come with free delivery, and if you're quick, you can also grab an extra £5 off with the discount code CityPod05. That's £5 off any order with the code CityPod05. UK only, terms and conditions apply, drink responsibly. So then, what, what, um, obviously the big talking point really from the Leeds match was the penalty. 2 0 with what was it, about 10 minutes to go. City looking for that third to get given a penalty. Fantastic work from Phil Foden, who I thought himself was going to go on and score a goal of the season. Didn't quite happen. Erling Haaland, as we said, had had a comparative stinker, it has to be said, in front of goal, missing quite a few chances. Haaland picks up the ball, hands it to Ilkay Gundwan. Ilkay Gundwan, for whatever reason, doesn't manage to find the net, even though, you know, he's a decent enough penalty taker, albeit not Manchester City's first choice, even second choice penalty taker. Straight off the bat then, quick thoughts on what on what you felt like. Let, let's start with the, the decision itself, because I think the sentiment was lovely, but the outcome is what's dictating this conversation. And, and obviously City went on to get the win. They might not have done Leeds, could have scored again and made it 2-2. But it felt like at that moment in time, for me anyway, a pretty foolish thing to do. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm of the opposite opinion. You know, I think if a player's on a hat-trick, it's, it's only right to give them the penalty. You know, the, each, they've already shown they've got confidence in their, in their ability in that game. And I, and I think, you know, scoring goals is it's one of those things that it, it boosts your confidence. You know, we've seen what it what it's, what it's meant to players like Jack Grealish, who've, you know, struggled to get on the score sheet sometimes this season. And Erling Haaland, he's, he's loved every one of his 51 you know, goals this season. You know, every goal for him means a massive amount. And maybe it came down to his own personal lack of confidence after a stinker, you know, and that can happen. Maybe he, he felt he would have, you know, either skied it like he did in Bayern, at Bayern Munich. Maybe maybe he would have scored it. You know, maybe it's the exact same outcome and this discussion's a little bit different and we're like, should Erling Haaland still be a penalty taker? But um, I've got no problems with him giving the ball to Gundogan. If he'd say given the ball to Mar- to Mares or to Foden or to anyone else, I think that's a different conversation. But I can understand him giving the, giving the ball to put someone on his hat trick because I think it's just the right thing to do. Um, if, for, if it was, say, yeah, Manuel Akanji had, was on two, for example, I think it, it becomes a bit of a different conversation. But Ilkay's, you know, he's, we've trusted him from the spot before, so I don't, I don't see the problem here. Um, and you can argue, well, you know, three three nils completely different game, and you're right, it would be. But at the same time. Because it didn't cost us in the end, I don't think it matters anywhere near as much as people as people are making it out to be. But obviously, people are going to talk about it because it's a big moment in the game. 
if it's a goal, it's a non-story. But I think the fact that it wasn't a goal makes it a non-story because I'm of the opinion as well that I think Haaland shifting responsibility. And when we can speak about the philosophical choice from Erling Haaland to say, no, I don't want to take it after I've had a bad game, there'll be people listening who say, no, you are the striker. And Pep Guardiola actually said, um, some quotes, obviously, via Sky Sports Premier League. He said, I always have the feeling when the game is 1-0 or 2-0, the main taker has to take the penalty. The game is not over. It shows how nice and generous Erling Haaland is. If it is 4-0 with 10 minutes left, okay. But at 2-0, Erling is the best penalty taker right now, so he has to take it. And I think there's there's maybe a bit of confusion there and, and maybe Pep Guardiola sort of protecting his striker by saying... It was a Erling Haaland was being kind in giving him the the ball to Ilkay Gundogan. I think it was the fact that he hadn't scored and he hadn't looked like scoring. He'd had chances to score and had quite you know quite frankly missed for what he for his quality quite a few sitters. My issue here is the fact that not only is Ilkay Gundogan not at the best record from the spot for City, albeit he has scored his last six all were for Germany, where he is the designated penalty taker. City's second choice penalty taker in Riyad Mahrez was on the pitch. So I feel like the, the in between the Gundwan going for the hat trick, City being 2 0 up instead of 4 0, and you know, the sentiment, Haaland not wanting to sort of take it on his shoulders and say, you know, I am the penalty taker, even though I've had a bad day, I'm going to score this goal and I'm going to seal the win. I think it's created a bit of a a bit of a storm and a bit of unnecessary pressure because imagine now at the Bernabeu in midweek, City get a penalty, first half, nil nil. What do you do then? Does Erling Haaland take it because he's on a fresh start? Is the Riyad Mahrez opportunity going to come up? Because I know they've spoken about them sharing responsibilities themselves. Obviously, Mahrez took the one at Sheffield United at Wembley uh, when Erling Haaland was on the pitch. Erling Haaland having missed a couple of days earlier in Munich. I just feel like it's a constant issue with City and the penalty takers when in actual fact... If you miss one as a striker, Aguero missed lows for City, but he he scored more than he missed. And he was always to take it. It was very rare that Aguero wouldn't take the the penalty for City. I think Erling Haaland, for all his benefits and all his brilliance, he has to say, no, I am taking penalties if I am on this pitch. Because if he doesn't, stuff like this happens. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him do it a few times, you know, hand the, hand the ball over to someone else or just not step up at all. Um, but... I- I get the impression it's just it's it's his decision. I don't think it's him, you know, telling Mar telling Mara's each penalty or whatever. I'm taking this one. I don't care what you think. I think it's you know everyone expects it to be Harlan because of his record because you know we know how hungry he is for goals. But I think it just shows that you know he he's just as much a you know a fan of a, a good storyline as anyone. You know that's why you're giving a you know a potential hat trick away to Ilkay Gundogan. Um, I think if Ilkay Gundogan had only scored one goal or no goals, Haaland would have been taking that penalty. But, you know, hat-trick moment, it's a special moment for any player, especially when it would have been the first in his City career, at least. Um, but if, if, yeah, exactly, if there's one tomorrow night, then, that, then you know, he's got to be the guy stepping up. You know, moments like that that are so decisive, it's all about confidence. Um, and, you know, and I, th- and I think that's what it comes down to with him. The one the other week, not at Sheffield United, but... Um, before it, there was one where he'd hand, where Mahrez had taken it. Um, I think, can't remember what game it was, but it just looked like he didn't want it at all. It just looked like Haaland wanted nothing to do with it. Um, so, you know, maybe that's his kind of one little flaw in his finishing game. He's not, he doesn't feel he's got a great, he doesn't feel he's great at penalties. Um, but, you know, his record says otherwise. For you know, especially since he's been at City, he's only missed the one out of what, seven, eight penalties that he's now taken. So, you know, 
I think I think for him it is just a feeling, but um, I can imagine Pep's told him, you know, you've got to step up now. Any time there's a penalty, you've got to be stepping up. There's no room for sentiment. And, you know, what happened with Ilkay's, I think, has kind of proven that, you know, there's no there's no room for sentiment in a title, really. You can have sentiment in November, you can have sentiment in August, but in but in May, in a crucial, crucial game, at a, at a crucial moment, whether it's a Champions League semi-final, whether it's an FA Cup final, whether it's, you know, a, a crucial game in the Premier League, those are the moments your striker's got to be saying, right, I'm taking this, I'm doing this, I'm stepping up for the team, regardless of the type of day he's had. Yeah, yeah, and and it just left. Uh, I felt like, like you know, much with the Arsenal result, it felt like it just left a little bit of a sour mark because obviously Leeds went on at that point to score. It must have been minutes, seconds after after the the penalty miss. It felt like it was almost sort of from that from that same attack, but it it, it sort of flipped the momentum a little bit, and suddenly then City had to see out ten minutes or so with this slender one goal lead when they could have they could have been rotating, and, and it leads me on to the final point of today's show. I'm worried, Ollie. I have to say, I, I am. I am worried because I'm. I'm looking at, at the number of minutes that some players are getting and the, the lack of minutes other players are getting. And, and we've sort of foreshadowed it for a while now. Our, our different opinions on on one Calvin Phillips, who who didn't get any minutes against um, against Leeds United. But but let's start with let's start with Erling Haaland because he's now played four four games, full four matches in the space of ten days. There was the Arsenal ninety minutes, there was the Fulham ninety minutes, there was the West Ham ninety minutes, and there was the Leeds United ninety minutes. Do you think? Perhaps, and I'm going to be careful with my words now because I don't want them coming for me. I've had a an interesting an interesting weekend on socials anyway, with some opinions on certain other aspects of of the weekend. But do you think there's perhaps a little bit of carelessness from Guardiola? And I say this obviously, I have no intel into where the fitness levels are, where the injury concerns may lie. But it's felt like in the last couple of matches, there's been a sort of uh, a reluctance to take Haaland off unless he's scored when the game's sort of near enough been been done and dusted. Do you think there's a little bit of carelessness there? Do you, obviously, he's got the minutes in the bank. He, he didn't. He was being taken off in like half time in November, and he didn't play at the World Cup. So obviously, there's there's that to contend with. But I do worry that he is getting more football than he has done at any point in his City career. And if something was to happen. Dear me, you, you can find me under the uh, under the layover on the Mancunian Way, sipping a bottle of whiskey out of a brown bag. I think at that point, it it is tough to understand, especially when we don't have you know their fitness levels. You know, if they're if they're picking up you know little knocks and stuff in training. But frankly, I think Guardiola's you know is too intelligent and too kind of obsessive to not to just ignore what his medical staff are saying. And you know, we and it's been said all season they're taking extra care of Haaland because he's had a patchy injury record at, at his previous clubs. Um, so mm. you know I th- that, that it's a very very clever brains operation at City. Whether it's the football, whether it's the football side, the transfers, the, f- the physical, you know, the medical side, they everyone knows what they're doing, and, they're, and they'll be taking care of players. The player I'm more worried about is Rodri. Um, as much as we've seen Gundogan come in and play an almost perfect game, you know. Calvin Phillips is a drop-off, regardless, even if he'd had a completely normal season and, you know, started 15, 20 games in the Premier League, um, you know, whether that was alongside Rodri or not, however you want to put it, there will always be that concern because it is a big drop-off. You know, Rodri's the best defensive midfielder in the world. He is the best at what he does. Um, And he is playing a hell of a lot of football. I was so glad he wasn't on the team sheet at the weekend because... 
you know, if something happens to him, that that's for me season over. You know, we may as well just pack it all up and go home and hand the trophy over to Arsenal now. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I think that they'll know what they're doing, and I think you know, if you know, one of the physios said to Pep. Okay, take Harland off at this moment, regardless, or don't play him this game. You know, give him the game off. He'd, he'd do it because he understands if Harland goes down, even if it's for two weeks, that's season-ending pretty much now. Um, I think they'd. I think City would rather run the risk if he's, you know, between what they say, yellow and red zones, and you know, just hope they can get him through 45, 60 minutes more often and play him more like they were doing at the start of the season. But um, you know, if the game's not won, if the game's if the game's not won, you got to leave him on that. And I don't, and I don't think he's the kind of person who will ever like being taken off. We've seen him come off, you know, after hat tricks and Pep's taken off with two goals countless times this season. Um, and you can, and you can see it infuriates him. But he's a player that just loves to play and loves scoring goals. You know, how many games would he would he have scored five if Pep had left him on for every ninety minutes? Probably a lot more. But it's these are the risks you take in football. It's what you've got to do. Um, and that's why he gets paid the big money. That's why the medical staff are some of the best in the world. And that's why Pep's so good at what he does as well. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, obviously. You know, full trust in Pep Guardiola, full trust in the medical staff. And if City win anything this season, I think the the physios and the medical staff who have looked after Haaland and Touchwood got him through a season without any major injuries should be getting medals and should be getting big bonuses too because they've been fantastic. But I, I do think you mentioned it there. If the game's not won, he doesn't come off. And I think at some point, and it goes, it goes with the, the Calvin Phillips thing as well, at some point... He's gonna have to just rip that plaster off and say, "Right, I need to. I need to trust these guys, even if I don't at the moment. I need to show them why they can trust me." And and um, it works hand in hand with sort of the number of minutes Harlan's playing. I don't think it's a major issue, by the way. I'm not sort of slagging Pep off for that, but I think with with Rodri, obviously Nathan Ake again went down with another injury. He was substituted, albeit you know it's it's not met, it's not uh, believed to be as serious as his previous one. But with Calvin Phillips, he's had a a shit season, let's put it, you know, no other way in terms of his performances and in terms of his injuries and whatnot. It hasn't been how he'd have wished. I'm personally, I'm not pro-Calvin Phillips. I'm not anti-Calvin Phillips. I'm sort of, he's played 400 minutes all across across all competitions. I genuinely don't know what he's going to offer this City team. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, we've not seen what he can do. He's, I think he started one or two matches. One of them was the Southampton away in the League Cup where everyone was shit like literally every player on the on the on the pitch was terrible so you know it, that was one of them games city lost you can't really judge him on that other than that he's had 5 10 15 20 minute cameos here and there which those minutes aren't consequential and i and i just feel like he was signed as a backup he's still a backup but at some point he's going to have to be given even if it's sort of 30 minutes off the bench so Rodri can go off a bit earlier against West Ham for example it took until that third goal for Pep to say yeah Calvin Phillips on you coming and fair play to me he was buzzing with that five minute cameo but I just feel like if City are going to win anything this season of consequence they're gonna Guardiola is going to have to use more players because I don't see City getting to the end of the season with the same group of sort of core 15 players playing the majority of the minutes sort of rotating through positions without any of them going down with a major injury yeah and I mean that's why we've got the squad we do um but it says a lot about what he what he thinks about these players um you know Calvin Phillips is obviously the one that comes to mind it's the one we've it's the one we've talked about all season long 
But um, and 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 you're right to say, you know, we don't know. We literally don't know what he offers to this team. Um, at some point in this running, I thought I thought it would have been um, against Leeds. I thought that would have been the perfect game to bring him in, and it was obvious Pep wanted to give Roger the rest because he because he put Bundle on there. Um, it seemed like the ideal game to bring him in, but it didn't happen for some reason. You know, maybe maybe Pep has. I don't think he's written him off for this season. You know, because I don't, I don't think I don't think Pep thinks like that. Really, he knows he's got to use his squad, but it's looking more and more difficult to see where those changes are going to come. Maybe it's against Everton, but that's a risk in itself because they're a team fighting for everything at the moment. And Sean Dyche knows exactly what he's doing, knows exactly what he's doing. And if he sees any weakness in the City team, like a Calvin Phillips coming in, they'll want to jump on that. Um, so it just, I. I if you were to, if you were asking me to predict lineups for the rest of the season, I, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a game where you're not, you know, where it's not Rodri, where it's not John Stones, where it's not Nathan Ake providing, you know, this is, he's okay, where it's not Erling Haaland, because you know what is it, seven games left in total at the moment, um, six this this month in the ne- in the next three weeks, it's grueling, but. Um, He's, we'll, we'll just have to, he's just one of those wait and see moments I, 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 I can't say with any confidence I think we'll see Calvin mm. Phillips start again this season but you just know he's going to be, he's going to have to play a bit more at some point um, Sergio Gomez too at left back Rico Lewis is, a, is an example of this you know coming into the team at a random point but obviously Pep trusts him more than Calvin Phillips uh, and yeah, and I think that's the that's the key point to sort of to wrap up and round up uh, round up on. Every game City have had is obviously massive for City, but also the opponent has had something to play for, bar the one against Fulham, but that was away from home. And I feel like I just felt like maybe it was the Leeds aspect, maybe it was playing against his former club where I was I was never confident that he'd, even though I think he should have been starting against Leeds, I, I was never confident that it would be the game. And, you know, I, I just think that perhaps something could happen. Hopefully it doesn't. Again, touch wood, because uh, we're into that part of the season where where everyone's getting a little bit jittery. But um, before we send ourselves into a full-on panic mode and the listeners start switching off, we'll, we'll call it a day, Ollie. Really enjoyed that one. Thank you very much, No mate. problem. Glad to be on as always. If you haven't already, uh, follow, subscribe. A massive week coming. We've got full schedules as usual. Real Madrid will be our talking point tomorrow ahead of the game at the Bernabeu. Follow, subscribe, all of that lovely business as well. If you haven't already, you may have noticed we're on YouTube. That's a a little peek behind the curtain. That's to come down the line. Um, That'll do for today. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.